Welcome to The Measuring Line. I'm your host, Heath Meadows. So I have a confession to make. I have been a little whiny and complaining the last couple weeks. My wife has called me grouchy a couple times, so that has brought to my attention that I need to refocus my vision on Christ and not on circumstances. And to be real honest, I don't have a reason to complain a whole lot. I've got a lot of blessings in my life. There's a lot of things going well, and we just need to focus on those things. But if you've ever been in an in-between place where you just don't know where you're quite heading, like you may have a vision of where you're heading, or maybe you have an idea of what you want to do, but you just don't know how to get there. And nothing seems to really be pointing in that direction. And then you have other things that pop up that kind of muddy the waters and you're trying to figure this all out. And I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but that's kind of where I'm at in a lot of different circumstances in my life. And again, there are people out there that are dealing with much, much more troubling circumstances than what I am. There are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are losing their homes. They're losing their jobs or they're losing everything for the sake of the gospel. They're losing their lives. And uh, there's people out there battling with terminal illness and there's people out there just really struggling. And so a lot of times we just need to stop and count our blessings in those circumstances, but we're all human. Anybody that thinks someone that stands behind the pulpit or behind a microphone has got this thing figured out, they're deceived. And the people that are behind the microphone, the pulpit, if they claim that they got this all figured out, they're in deception as well. And they're lying. There's no, there's no one that's got this all figured out. We're all on a journey together. And that's why it's so important to come together in church and, and encourage one another and get people through or get each other through these things when they come up. But as I was really just in this funk and really be quite honest, just a self-pity, I really heard the Holy Spirit pretty plain and clear quote Jeremiah 15, 19, 19 through 20. We're going to read that here in a minute. But what what's really interesting is when you're in this kind of funk and you start having these little pity parties, other negative emotions decide they want to join the party as well, whether that's depression. And so what ends up happening is the very thing that you're trying to get out of becomes longer I know there's an old saying in, in Christianity, just one more time around the mountain, which is basically the Israelites referring to their plot from Egypt to the promised land. And because they kept grumbling and complaining and never got what God was trying to tell them, they end up taking 40 years around the same mountain that should have, the trip should have took them. I think somebody calculated this like 40 days or something like that took them 40 years i don't know for sure about that but i do know it took them a lot longer than what it was supposed to because of the idea that they continue to grumble and place their eyes on circumstance and that's an old that's an old lesson but i want to really focus on jeremiah here for a second and as i was again in this little pity party i heard the holy spirit say these words to me and again, this comes from Jeremiah 15, 19 through 20. And it says, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you but they shall not prevail over you for I am with you to save you and deliver you declares the Lord. So a little backdrop to this, what we have to understand is Jeremiah is called from a young age as a prophet 
to Israel and the nations, and he has to deliver a message that is not very popular. There is judgment coming against Israel. This is right before the exile into Babylon, and Jeremiah has to prophesy this when every other prophet in the entire nation is prophesying you know, peace and prosperity, Jeremiah is standing up and he's saying, no, God's judging you. And he says some pretty harsh things. I mean, God through God is saying these things through Jeremiah and people are persecuting him. He's, he's, he gets in a lot of trouble. You can read the history of all the things that Jeremiah went through. I mean, he was thrown in stocks. He was thrown in jail. I mean, a lot of things happened to him by standing up and declaring the word of the Lord that was against what everybody else was saying. And, you know, the stories, obviously, history vindicates Jeremiah when they were taken into exile. But there's a couple key takeaways from this entire passage. So Jeremiah begins to complain all the way back up in verse 10. And I'm not going to read all these to you, but if you want to get your Bible out, it, it, this is a great chapter to read anyway. And the whole book's awesome, and it, there's a lot of really fascinating points especially about the prophetic ministry. If you want to want to glean some gold from the scriptures on the prophetic ministry, Jeremiah is a great book to do that. But Jeremiah is complaining. And so from verse 10 all the way to verse 20, he's complaining about his situation. He's like, look, I've not sinned. I've not done anything wrong. I've done exactly what you've told me to do. And I'm stuck here. These people are being mean to me. They're, they're putting me in stocks. They're doing all these nasty things to me. I'm being persecuted. And all I've done is do exactly what you told me now. He's asking for God to come in and help. So what's interesting is God doesn't even address what Jeremiah says. He just pretty much says, suck it up, repent, and I'll restore you. But there's some things key here that we, if we just read it and glance over it, that's kind of what we get. But there's some things that we need to take away. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This is some things that I thought was important to point out. So one of the things I immediately seen was men and women of the Bible were just like us. So sometimes we look at, you know, these great men and women of the Bible, they do these awesome exploits and they, and they deserve to be honored, no doubt. But they also had issues just like we did. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three days and six months, it did not rain. That's a positive thing. So James is saying, hey, Elijah, he's just like us. He prayed and it didn't rain. If Elijah did it, we can, we can definitely pray, you know, and have these things happen, and God answers prayer. But at the same token, he's also saying Elijah was a man. He wasn't a God. He wasn't, you know, he was a man that was surrendered to God. And Elijah had his own problems. You can read about that in, in, in Kings, second or first, second Kings. But, you know, we have to understand that Jeremiah is a person. He has his own flaws. He has his own issues. And he is struggling right now. And I think when we put that into context that these men and women were just doing their best they can to fulfill what God has called them to do, it really brings us into their context a little better. The other thing that I, I pulled out is our words actually mean something. You know, I'm not saying the, the blab it and grab it crowd, the whole idea of prosperity gospel and money cometh to me. And if I say I want a new car and I keep saying it, it's going to magically appear. That's magical thinking. We actually get into this a lot of times in prophetic declaration where 
we think if we declare something, it's going to happen. And we're really taking some uh, a scripture out of context in Job. And I'm not going to talk about that, but we have to be very careful that we don't fall into magical thinking, that we're some kind of Harry Potter or Gandalf of Christianity, and we can wave our magic Bible and everything's going to be all right. That is not Christianity. The Bible says nothing about any of that. In fact, it's exact opposite. Usually we are bridging the gap between two different worlds. We're trying to bring heaven to earth, and this earth is still not he's a defeated foe, but we still got an enemy on this earth that does not want that to happen. He wants to elongate his time here as much as he can before he faces judgment. So we've got a fight going on. And so a lot of times we have to understand that we can prolong our circumstances by the why, how we talk because we are aligning our words with the God of this world and not with what God's word is. And I think it's really important that we're careful what we say. Even though I do not believe in blabbing it and grabbing it kind of deal, our words have to mean something or God's correction to Jeremiah here is unjust. And we know God is perfectly just. In fact, if we looked in, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, Jesus reinforces this point. He says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of makes, uh, you know, some thing. I'll honestly makes my butt pucker a little bit. I mean, I'm like, uh Oh, because I've said some things in the past, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give account for those things. And so we have to be careful of what we say. And it, it is tough. But if we ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to fill us with his wisdom and might, he will give us the ability to guard our mouth and words. If we try to do it out of our flesh, out of the working of the law, we will fail every time. But if we lean in on the Holy Spirit and allow him to empower us, he will give us the ability to guard our mouths, which is sometimes really tough. I, if you're like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But Jesus goes on in verse 37 and he says, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. That is such a powerful statement. And when you look at it in the context of Jeremiah, you see that God is more concerned about Jeremiah's attitude and his words aligning with that of the God of this world than aligning with what God has already said about him in the very first chapter of the book. So we have to guard our mouths carefully. And the another thing, so I've got one, two, three, four points here, almost done. The mercy of God is demonstrated in this. His steadfast love endures forever. That phrase is, is uttered more times throughout the Old Testament. It's, it's hesed, and it's a, it's a great study if you want to do a word study and you have the time and you really want to dig into the Bible. It's a beautiful concept of the, to the nature of God and who he is. But in Psalm 1, in the Psalms, it's all through the Psalms. Psalm 105, um, Psalm 136 has it a host of times, like a lot. 
118, 2, 3, and 4 has it. So this is a theme that's throughout the Psalms, especially in the Psalms of David. When David is singing unto the Lord, he talks about God's steadfast love. And what I mean by that is God is more committed to our purpose and destiny than a lot of times we are. We have to realize that when we are in these in-between places and we're stuck and it seems like we're being battered all around, that God's covenant with us, the new covenant through Christ, his steadfast love endures forever. And no father with love for his children wants to see his children fail. He's not going to allow that to happen as long as we participate in the program. And sometimes we get off track because we are not participating. We're either feeling sorry for ourselves or we're just giving up or whatever the case may be. And so we have to be careful to really focus on who God is. Now, God is a God of judgment. He is a God, you know, he will, he will correct us, but he, he loves us. And we have to come from that understanding. When we talked about the, the, the Lord's prayer and how Jesus instructs us to address God as our heavenly father, that is an intimate relationship based on love. It's not based on, I'm a God. I have lightning bolts in my hand. I'm going to strike you down with it. It's not based on that. So we have to make sure that we keep that in focus when we are going through these times and seasons. And the last thing I want to talk about is repentance or return. That word in Jeremiah, the word for return here, is used usually in conjunction with repentance. It just means to turn around 180 degrees. If you look up the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, you can find the word there and do a word study on that as well. You'll see it all through the New Testament, and it's con- it's usually linked with repentance. When Peter stands up and acts and, and, the, and everybody's asking, okay, what do we do now that you've preached and the conviction of the Holy Spirit's on our heart? He says, repent and return. That word return is the same word used here in Jeremiah. And so what happens when, repeat, when we repent? It tells you right here in this verse. It says, if you return, I will restore you. So repentance equals restoration. It is not a dirty word. I keep saying that over and over again. I'm going to say it till I go to my grave. Repentance is not a dirty word. It is an opportunity for restoration. When we fall into these places in our life where we're complaining, we're grumbling, we're in a situation where we don't like it. When we come out of that, recognize that, okay, this is not the spirit of God. This is the spirit of the world. This is my flesh, whatever the case may be. When we recognize that, when we look up to him and say, you know what? I am tired of speaking what's worthless. Give me the strength to speak what is worthy of you. Give me the strength to represent you well on the earth. And when we do that, when we repent and we return to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us, and restore us to the path that we belong on. So I really hope this message encouraged some people out there that may be in that in-between place. And until we talk again, God bless.